And this is Encounter with God here on Faith FM. We are about to dig into our Bible study, 20 Million Movement. We are rapidly catching up. We will be caught up here in a day or two to where we are supposed to be in... uh we did get a little behind while we were studying revolu- Revelation. I nearly revolution. said re- Revolution. <laughs> we weren't studying I don't revolution. mind studying Revolution, Lars. Yeah, it's been on my bucket list for a while. <laughs> yes, I think you would like to start a revolution, Mon. Mm-hmm. Yes, the Mon Revolution, the, uh, the, the Mon Dictatorship. Yeah, I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, vote now. <laughs> <laughs> the monstership is coming. <laughs> Uh, that'd be fun. Uh, okay. Anyway, so uh, just a quick reminder, and I've been reminding you about this over the last uh, few days, but I do want to remind you again that the best way to listen to Faith FM is via your phone. Uh, some of you have been struggling with a weak signal, and that is because you are living too far from where the signal is being transmitted from. The solution is to listen on your phone, so that way you can listen the world over. Yes. And just run it through your car stereo. Yeah, that's right. Or your tractor stereo, any other kind of stereo. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. Just download the TuneIn app. It's free. And just There's a free for, version. Yeah. Video. Make sure you get the free version. And then search for Faith FM Australia and add us to your favourites. Easy as that. to it every day. Yeah. Absolutely. Wherever you are. Okay, Mon, let's go in our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 9. We are going to talk about living on the corner of the roof. Ooh. Yes. That's very interesting. It is. It uh, one of those one of those verses that reveals to us that you know Solomon, um, he was a serious guy. He really um, was um, the most brilliant person who ever lived, the most uh, knowledgeable person who ever lived, other than Jesus Christ, of course. And yet, he still had a sense of humor. Proverbs twenty one. Uh, let's go to verse nine. It is better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. Okay, let me read it to you in uh, my translation. It says, It is better to live on the corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. (laughs) (laughs) Brawling woman. (laughs) Wow, okay. Okay, so um, Mon, your, uh, your sex has been targeted here. Well... Oh well. She's <laughs> gonna she's gonna sit there and own. I'm it not like, a wife. Yeah, so. we're, we're next. We we, <laughs> yeah. we get that. I'm just gonna own this space. Just passing my yarn, please. <laughs> <laughs> Don't really worry about this one. But I guess the I guess the underlying um, issue here is uh, one of respect, really, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Totally. Um, and of course, you know, this is this is. I, I think that there are many women out there. Sorry, men out there who can relate to this. Um, and at the same time that there are many men, um, sorry, women who can relate to it as well because both sexes nag. Yep. Um, but well, let's just say one sex nags and the other one gives a reason for the nagging. One nags and the other one gives a... Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, maybe, <laughs> but not always. <laughs> No. Okay, so how do you what's the solution to this? You know, for for a young couple, so for a young person like yourself yep. um who uh who plans to get married at some stage, how do what how do you ensure that this never becomes a part of your home life because what I've noticed is that some people when they go down the nagging path, you know, it starts small but then it just it actually becomes a part of who they are. Yeah. And they're in many ways defined by it. They reach a point where they're not happy unless they're nagging, unless they're finding something critical to point out. Fault finding. Fault finding. Mm-hmm. 
and it just makes for absolute pure misery and you would definitely be better off to spend your life sitting on the pointy edge of the roof than inside with them. Than it does make you person. wonder that it does make you wonder if the reason why they are so stuck on fault finding is maybe because they're insecure about their own faults. Okay. And they might need a closer walk with Jesus to understand that Jesus can um you know, can forgive them of their faults and can and can actually help them um, overcome their faults. The log and the speck right, yeah. principle. Yeah. For those of you unfamiliar with the log and the speck principle, um, Jesus talks about those who are always trying to pull a speck out of somebody else's eye while they've got a log in their own eye. Um, you know, it's, it's a rather extreme example, but it, it, it gets the point across very, very vividly, I think. As for your question as to like how to deal with that, you are, of course, asked the wrong person, just like you asked me the other day about parenting, <laughs> and I'm not a parent. And you're no, asking- no, this time I'm asking the right person because you're a single person. I want to know how you, as a single person, when you look at a prospective spouse, ensure, number one, that you are never going to be a nagger, and number two, that right. they are never going to become a nagger. Or someone who needs to be nagged. Or someone who, <laughs> yeah, I've got an answer for this. So, you know, just as a woman, like sometimes, you know, you see these men who like, for example, their wife will ask them to take out the trash and they'll continue, you know, watching TV and drinking whatever and just sitting there like a slob and the wife has to ask them again and has to ask me. And after a while, like to a woman looking at that picture, you're like, why isn't the guy just getting up and taking the trash out? But to a man, he's like, man, that woman's a nag. Like we see completely different pictures. And so if you... Yeah, because the man sitting there is like, yes, of course I'm going to take the trash yeah, out. Yeah, but... You, just not right at this second because... You know, her I, not nagging doesn't solve the problem either. The, like the problem, the, the, there's still a part of the problem existing in that the man is not taking the trash out. So do you know what I mean? So it's not a complete healing of the situation to just tell the woman to shut up. And so for me, like the way that I've learned about this situation is actually reading books. So one of the best books I ever read um, about this issue, uh, it's not the book, the book is not, it doesn't entirely about this issue, but it encompasses this issue in a huge uh, perspective. It's called Love and Respect by Dr. Emerson Egeritz. And after reading Excellent that, book. Highly recommended. Yeah. If I read Mon's copy. Really yeah, enjoyed it. Yeah. And now your wife's reading my copy. Uh, it's a really great book, and I, I I cannot recommend this book enough um, to help like women understand you know why it is they nag and how to motivate a man to do something that it can be done without having to nag. For me, it was like, how do you like if I ask someone to do something and they don't do it? Like, how can I get them to do it other than to continue asking them until they've done it? And so, reading this book really just blew my mind and just opened my eyes to, you know, a different way you can travel that path and a different way to um, behave in that relationship that would make both parties happy, where one, the wife stops nagging, and two, the husband actually takes the trash out. So yeah, that's that's all I got for you because I got no experiential. Yeah, um, that's, that's that's good. That's I, I like I d- the um, like I said before earlier, earlier today on the radio show. I said you know, education I think is the solution to pretty much everything, and I believe it's the it's the solution here. If you're an agger, get yourself educated, read some books, read the Bible, study it out. There's another principle I think that's really important in relationship to nagging, and uh, you know if I if I look at I'm going to come back and talk about this in just a moment, but uh, Solomon's solution here is um, is a solution that you know a lot of men do uh, follow. Um, but um, b- before we get there, there's another there's another um, 
aspect of this I think we need to explore, and that is the purpose of nagging. Generally speaking, the purpose of nagging is to change the other person. Okay. And the most important thing that anybody can ever recognize before they get married or in preparation for marriage is that the other person will not change. Yeah. You can be married to them for the next 70, 80 years. They're not going to change. Now, this is something that's really, really hard to get across to young couples because they look at people that have been married for a very long time and they say, well, they have changed. And, yeah, that's a bit of a dangerous path to go down because what you need to go into a marriage with is the belief that they will never change. Mm. And if there are changes that are positive changes, that's icing on the cake. That's bonus. Yeah. That's great. But unless you are happy with the person as they are, then you're never going to be happy. That's true. And you're always going to be nagging and they're always going to be unhappy as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that whole getting into a relationship thinking that the other person will change is a really dangerous It's, it's, it's probably really dangerous. the most dangerous um, fantasy that people in relationships ever indulge in. Yeah, yeah, definitely definitely don't think to yourself, "Oh, I'll change, he'll change later or she'll I'll change her later." Like don't don't think yeah. like that. The, the Bible says, "Can a can an Ethiopian change his skin or a leopard change his spots?" Yeah, no. It, it can't happen. It's not going to happen. Now, of course, conversion does change people, but you shouldn't be in a relationship with somebody who's unconverted That's anyway. Right. So yeah. that should not be an issue. That's not something that you're going to be considering because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You're not going to go down that path of being in a relationship with somebody who is unconverted. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking here about a person who is looking forward um, towards marriage rather than somebody who is already in a relationship in this context. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so I want to come back and I want to look at um, part of Solomon's solution to this particular equation, figure out what it is exactly that is going on here. Uh, the structure of buildings in Solomon's day in the Middle East, what did the roof generally look like? Flat, right? Flat. Like a terrace. Yes. So these were buildings that often had a flat roof. In summertime, they would sleep on top of the roof in the nice, pleasant, fresh air outside. Um, a couple of years ago, while I was in Egypt, um, you know, and it was you know, 50 degree days, this kind of stuff. Everybody slept on top of their roof. Nobody slept inside. Yeah. yeah there's no, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a poor country. Nobody had aircon. And so, um, you know, as soon as that sun went down, you've got uh, 0% humidity. The temperature would drop. It would just be so pleasant. I didn't do it because I was staying in a hotel and I'd paid good money for that hotel. So <laughs> uh-huh. why would I sleep on the roof? But if I was living there, I would definitely be sleeping on the roof. Mm-hmm. But you know what I see happening here? What's that? It's a little bit like an early version of a man cave. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, gotcha. Because if you don't have a man cave, where do you go? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, there would be a lot of uh, guys that would go and sit on the sit on the, rather sit on the roof than be inside with their wife. And Solomon has observed this. He has noticed this, and he's like, "Yeah, these guys are going to their man cave." And uh, I wonder if you know how when uh, when King David went up on the roof and he saw Bathsheba um, bathing, and they had a bit of a 
bit of an altercation there. I wonder if King Solomon went up on the roof and saw a whole bunch of men hiding from their wives. <laughs> <laughs> Looked out over the city. That's an interesting thought. It actually reveals something else to me that I have never, ever seen in the story of David before. What's that? And that is the danger that comes in, um, you know, and I have no idea as to the circumstances in the story of King David, but men are in their greatest danger when they are feeling miserable and disrespected by their wives and they are feeling so much more vulnerable to temptation. It's like, you know, a way of lashing out is to, you know, if I'm not valued here, I'm not respected here, but that woman over there, she's pretty hot. And she respects me. And so, you know, you can sort of see where something could go. I'm not saying that's what happened. But that's where the devil will tempt you. But that is the way the devil works. And, and us as men, we need to be particularly aware of, you know, our weak points, our, our danger points where, you know, it's it's a little bit like somebody who goes to comfort food. Mm-hmm. They go to a comfort relationship or a, a uh, you know, they're feeling sore and battered and beat up and it's like, I just, I just need some, some comfort and affection right now. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it can create a danger point. This is something to be aware of as men that if you are in that environment, you are vulnerable and you need to go to Jesus. That is the solution. The arms of another woman, as you can see in the story of King David, is not the solution. And as the book of Proverbs would tell you, and Solomon would tell you over and over again, the arms of another woman is death. Yeah, that's right. Yes, just death. Yeah, that's the the worst possible idea. But it's you know the devil plays on that. Yeah. Anyway, Proverbs chapter twenty one and verse nineteen. It is better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. <laughs> oh mercy! Oh, he doesn't stop right here. Um, the Bible, Bible says, uh, with a contentious and angry woman. Do you think Solomon had experience of this? I think he clearly did, yeah. yeah. He seems to be somebody who is speaking from experience. In fact, the whole book of Proverbs is a book of experience, wouldn't you say? Yes, very much so. Uh, So he's speaking, and and the reason that we, we can be reasonably assured that Solomon had experience of this was because when you're married to, you know, a thousand women, women. Mm -hmm. uh, there is bound to be one or two that are a little bit on the contentious side. Um, And uh, uh, as as a result of that, you can see he's like, yeah, I would rather be living in the desert. And it sort of makes you wonder, you know, how many contentious women he had in his harem? Yeah, it does. And how miserable his life was? But you know what? Uh, To be honest, if I was in his harem, I'd be pretty miserable as well because I'd be trying to share one husband between 999 other women. You might get to see your husband once every two, three years. Yeah. I'd be pretty miserable. That would be a, a, a horrid existence because you have been uh, the possibility of you having being in a love relationship with somebody has been taken away from you forever. You yeah. never, you do not have that choice to ever be in a loving relationship with somebody who's going to give you the security and the love and the affection that you need and and you care about. You can't, to some extent, you sort of think, man, Solomon brought it upon himself, or was he thinking marrying a thousand women? Maybe they were all contentious and angry. Yeah. But Maybe that harem was just a nasty, nasty, toxic place to walk can into. Can you imagine the jealousy and the cat fights going on? Oh, it would have been hell. But um, but in that previous verse when it talks about a nagging woman, you know, nagging is definitely, um, you know, it, to me that's something that takes two. But complaining, that's like a, a level of negativity that doesn't need to exist ever. Like, like if you're a complainer, Whatever it is you're complaining about is not causing the problem. It's you, for sure. Like, to be a complainer, you're not seeing the bright side. You're not 
creating solutions when you know you just want to be creating problems and having that negativity is definitely your own fault and this is something to look at if you're looking at a prospective spouse what percentage of they of their time do they spend speaking about negative subjects do you know who really inspires me do you know um do you remember barnabas shelley Mm-hmm. Excellent man. He passed away um, in recent years, and I remember um, they spoke about him at his funeral and how he had such a hard life to begin with. You know, he, w- horrifically hard life. Yeah, the war or something was it? Yeah, caught t- up in the war, um, escaped as a kid. As a kid, yeah. Um, by himself, he's like you know, twelve years old, traveling around the world, coming out of a communist country. No family. No family. No nothing. He's all by himself. And I and I remember they told you know stories from his life that were just you know horror and and just so much sadness. The recipe for PTSD. Yeah, yeah. Like the worst kind of PTSD. Oh, one thing they said about him was that Barnabas Shelley never complained. His wife said, "I never heard him complain, not even once, about anything, about anything." For a guy who had plenty to complain about in his life, for him never to have complained. And whenever he told incredible. those stories, whenever he told those stories of you know escaping from communism and 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 you know traveling through the snow and across the mountains and. And uh, as a child, a, yeah. as a, as a, as a kid, as a child, being separated from his family, and just suddenly his family's just vanished and gone. He has no idea where they are in the world, and he's all by himself. And uh, um, you know, whenever he told those stories, he would always be so thankful and so, you know. Um, honouring to God for the way that God looked after him, whereas he could have been complaining about, you know, I went through such a miserable childhood and it has affected me and that's why I'm the way I am today and, yeah. you know, I can't help this and, you know, because I've been, you know, abused as a kid and, uh, and, and you know, poor me, poor me, poor me. No, 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 no. He was like, you know, God saved me from this and God saved me from that and I went through this and God pulled me out of that, you know, and it just goes on and on and on. And that's a Christian attitude. Yes. And if you're a complainer, you need to realise complaining is not a Christian attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I think for anybody who knew Barnabas Shelley, he was definitely um, Pastor Barnabas Shelley, an inspiration um, for so many people here in Australia with his life and his life story and his his just you know general positivity. Mm, Proverbs twenty seven and verse fifteen and sixteen. What have you got for us in those verses, Mon? Twenty seven, verse fifteen and sixteen says a quarrelsome wife is as annoying as constant dripping on a rainy day. Stopping her complaints is like trying to stop the wind or trying to hold something with greased hands. <laughs> wow, this is getting poetic. <laughs> you can almost see Solomon laying awake at night trying to figure out how it is that he is going to um, express um, just... Uh, how awful a you know uh-huh. Chinese water torture. Yeah, drip, drip, drip. drip. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna get real annoying real quick. It's like this is what I experience every time I walk into my harem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dear, you got to feel bad for the guy, but he brought it on himself. He, he certainly knew what uh, what he was talking about, and you know some of the language that um, that he uses here is is you know. Definitely creative language in relationship to what it's like to um, to be with a contentious woman. What do you think the solution is? To nagging? Mm. Um, I think it starts with accepting and, the, you know, as I said before, accepting the person that you're married and accepting that they will never change. 
Because if you know they're never going to change, then you're not motivated to nag them. You're not motivated to try and change them because you know they're not going to change. You love them for who they are. Um, You accept their faults as they are uh, because, you know, that's not going to change and no amount of nagging will, uh, will will ever change that. It's just not going to happen. I'm going to come back to that, but for now, we're going to have a song break. This is, uh, what does that say, Lyle? Sanctus Real. Ooh, lead me. I look around and see my wonderful life Almost perfect from the outside In picture frames See my beautiful wife Always smiling But on the inside Oh, I 
Welcome back. That was uh, Sanctus Real with pieces of a real heart here on Faith FM. Do we have a uh, do we have a caller coming through? No, I'm just uh, seeing the phone running red hot out there at the moment. Producer is saying no, so that means maybe, we get to continue on. Maybe people are asking questions because it is a pretty hot topic today. Uh, ah, yeah. okay. Yeah. We might have a, a question of the day coming through. Yeah, and speaking okay. of questions, like you were yes. just saying that the 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 solution to nagging is to accept your spouse as they are and realize they're not going to change. Yes. Right. So let's do um, a scenario, mm-hmm. hypothetical. So what if you're a wife and you're married to a bone lazy man who is unemployed and sitting yep. on the couch and drinking and just not doing anything? Yeah, really good question. You just have to accept the fact that you're going to be run off your feet for the rest of your life and work to the bone and, 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 and what I'm talking about here is um, is in relationship to an unmarried person. So basically what I'm saying is if you meet somebody like that, you need to recognize that they are bone lazy, sit on the couch all the time and do nothing, and you need to make up a you need to make up your mind, am I happy to live with this person for the rest of my life or not? And if you make up your mind that, yes, I love this person, this is not a non-negotiable, I'm going to marry this person, then you have married a lazy person. You cannot <laughs> expect that person to change. No, I think you're sidestepping the question. because No, I'm he's not talking sidestepping about, the person. No, you are, because this verse is talking about a wife, not mm-hmm. about a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Yep. So they're already in a relationship. So imagine mm-hmm. I'm, you know, someone you know has married a nice guy, but that guy's become lazy. And okay, be- if he has become that way, that's a different issue. And, and so what I'm talking about is not somebody who has become that way. I'm talking about, and I'm not saying this is the, the be-all and the end-all of all solutions to nagging, but I'm saying this is one of the biggest areas where it starts. And I saw this in my grandparents on my mother's side. Um, you know, they've passed away. They are wonderful people. But my grandmother dedicated her entire life from the day that they were married to the day that she passed away to changing her husband. Oh. And it's like, why did you marry him? If you didn't like him the way he was, why did you marry him? Mm. You know, and it, and it created an awful atmosphere. It's been horrible for him. Oh, yeah, it was. Mm. It, there was a, a period there. Uh, he left her for like a year or so and was with somebody else for a while. And then uh, it's like, no, this is my wife. I'm going to make this work. And she took him back. And so it was, you know, just Nothing would mess. make you feel so invaluable mess. and unwanted as being married by someone who then says you're not good enough. Let's change you. That's yeah. horrific, yeah. Yeah. And so that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm addressing here is don't marry somebody who has character traits that you can't live with. You know, if you can live with a bone lazy husband, then by all means go ahead and get married, but don't try and change him or don't expect him to change. You know, if he's if he's converted, if he gives his life to God, um he will change. There's no question about that. But if uh if you're a converted person, you're not going to be in a relationship with an unconverted person anyway. Okay, and so what about the situation where someone changes within the relationship? Yeah, and this does happen, uh, particularly you know in situations of trauma, that kind of thing, where or, or a person who wanders away from God, um, you know, PTSD. There are lots of things that do change people, and um, in in that situation, once again, nagging is not going to provide any solution whatsoever at all. It's a little bit like we talked about with children yesterday. Uh, where we talked about nagging your children is not discipline. Nagging your children will accomplish nothing. There is a difference between nagging and discipline. Now, I'm not saying that you can... (laughs) 
kiss okay, and a smile Alice. growing on my face. <laughs> I can just see where Mon's going with, great, I'm going to beat up my nah, husband. you go on, you no, go no, on. That's not the solution. Uh, the solution really, I mean, the ultimate solution to these kinds of issues is you need to take it to God. Uh, you need to, you, and you need to take this particular person to God because, you know, God is the only person who can actually change someone. As we as we said earlier, the Bible says an Ethiopian cannot change his skin, a leopard cannot change its spots, but God can make an Ethiopian white or a white black or a leopard any color he wants to make that leopard. God has that power, and that's where the power is. And the power to change comes through conversion. You cannot convert another person. Only God can convert another person, but you can be the kind of person who leads that person to Christ. Lyle, we have a question coming about this topic. Someone's messaging us as we're speaking. They said, how can Solomon make it better? Is it about the love or hope? How can Solomon make it better mm. in this relationship? Yeah, I guess so. Um, it comes down to love and hope. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're trapped in this kind of a relationship and it's, you know, that the, the, your spouse is not doing anything that... Uh, would you know justify leaving? Um, then it comes down to love and hope. You're not going to solve the problem through hatred, through bitterness, through anger. None of these things are solutions to the problem. Love and respect are solutions to the problem, and that can be one of the hardest things to do when you are in a relationship and you feel like you are the only one who's pulling the weight in the relationship, the only one who's trying to make it work. Uh, but you're not going to accomplish anything by nagging. You're not going to accomplish anything by getting angry or upset. You're just going to drive the person further away. You're going to drive a, a, a bigger wedge into your relationship. And so, um, and so, you know, you need to take this to God. And, of course, you start with yourself. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but you start with yourself. You really do. You, you do. You really do. And, you know. You need to be the kind of person that is not the kind of person that uh, um, you're you know, despising, so to speak. This topic is, is much bigger and there, there are many more things that one can do uh, to tackle this than we can possibly cover in just this little segment that we have on the, on the radio today. Um, so we do want to recommend that if, you know, this is something that is occurring in your life, whether you're the nagger or the naggy, uh, definitely get a copy of um, Dr. Emerson Egeret's uh, Love and Respect. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you stay tuned, I yeah, think... Yeah, I, I would highly recommend that book as well. Yeah, if you stay tuned, we might even be giving a copy away at the end of the show, but just stay tuned for that. So, Do we have one in the prize box? We're going to get one in the prize box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an uh, excellent book. Yeah, it's an oh, excellent it book. Very, very I've, I've, I, I, Actually, my brother read it, and then he was like, you have to read this book. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And uh, and so he he kept saying, have you read it? Have you read it? And I'm like, no, no. So he posted me a copy. And then he kept bugging me about whether or not I'd read it. And I was like, I guess I finally have to read it. And so I read it. And I'm very, very grateful I read it because it actually uh, helped my relationships uh, with like even though I'm single with pretty much every male in my life, so whether it was like you know a boss or a colleague or a, you know a brother or a father or a friend, whatever it was, it really just revolutionised the way I approach men and how I understand that men approach women. And so it, it's an incredible book. It's it's a mind blowing education, especially for someone of my generation, where a lot of those uh, values are starting to be lost through over time. And um, and so definitely get a copy of this book, um, Dr. Emerson Egeret's uh, Love and Respect, a really great book. Absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. Um, highly recommended. We are not sponsored by this book, by the way. No, not at all. <laughs> We're just, yeah. yeah. It's a book that I actually made up my mind that if I do ever get married, I'm going to read this book every year with my husband. Yeah. There you go. That's a, uh, a pretty strong recommendation right there. 
Okay, so um, we have another whole chapter here to look at, which we're probably going to have to focus on um, tomorrow. But Mon, are all women naggers? We're starting to get this uh, this kind Ooh. of a feeling as we go through the book of Proverbs. I Is don't know. that the case? I don't all know. Are all men lazy? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Proverbs chapter 31 has an interesting chapter. Mon, do you like the woman of Proverbs 31? Yes, yeah, she's a boss man. She's a boss you, chick. You, you like her? She doesn't make you feel insecure? Oh, absolutely. Like, horribly insecure. <laughs> <laughs> I thought all women were like, I wish I could go back in time and strangle this woman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. So that she could never show me up. I think it's more that men keep taking her and slapping her over the head with us, with her, and, uh, you know, as some sort of, well, as a standard, and then they just sort of rubbing in our face. That's and interesting. that's not nice. Yeah. You've actually had men do that, slap you over the head with uh, Proverbs 31. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. All the time. Really? Oh, all the time. That's why we hate her, Lyle. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We need to move on with our show. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys, of course. You know what our number is, 1-800-324-843. Um, this is Nicole Mullen with Redeemer. the sun where to stand in the morning and who told the ocean you can only come this far and who showed the moon where to hide till
part of camping caravanning scene. Join Australia's largest annual national gathering of travellers and caravanners at the Stewart's Point Convention Centre this year, Stewart's Point, New South Wales. It's an amazing campground among the trees. Inspirational Christian speakers. With incredible music. And beautiful beaches. And a relaxing environment. Be part of the community and make friends for life. May 10 through 18. Stewart's Point Caravan and Convention Centre. Contact Debbie on 024994-3220 or simply email greynomads at adventist.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Jesus climbed the hill of Calvary and they nailed him on a cross. Though he had no sin, my friend like me and you, he submitted like a gentleman and let them nail him there and prayed, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Such a meeting place as Calvary There never was a greater lesson Preached on love by mortal man And there never was a pulpit like the cross What a crowd was gathered on the Calvary that day, not long before Christ's victory was won. As his own mother watched and wept beside a friend whom Jesus loved, Christ said, Dear mother, when I'm gone, he'll be your son. Oh, there never was a pulpit like the old. Cross, and there never was such a meeting place as Calvary. There never was a greater lesson preached on love by mortal man, and there never was a pulpit like the cross. A guilty man. Hanging on another cross that day Convicted of some thievery his sin And suffering Jesus saw some good in him And he forgave that man And said today to my heaven Enter in Oh, there never was a the old rugged cross, and there never was such a meeting place as Calvary. There never was a greater lesson preached on love by mortal man, and there never was a pulpit like the cross. As you see 
Jesus on that hill in pain too awful to be born. And remember that old pulpit called a cross. Oh, there never was a pulpit like the old rugged cross. And there never was such a meeting place as Calvary. There never was a greater lesson preached on love by mortal man. And there never was a pulpit like the cross. No, there never was a pulpit like the Welcome back, guys. That was Vocal Union. There never was a pulpit like the cross. You're listening to Faith FM, and we have come to question of the day time. What have you got for us today, Mon? Do I need to be perfect to go to heaven? Of course. Uh, well, I'm screwed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, well, let me, let, me just, let me clarify that. You absolutely need to be perfect to go to heaven. Uh, there is, you know, imagine if God took sinners to heaven. If God took, you know, sin and 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 sinners are, um, you know, these are these are two things that are mutually exclusive from each other. You take sin into heaven. Sin is consumed in the presence of God. You can't go to heaven as a sinner. I'd be consumed. Yeah, absolutely. Let's read what it says. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter. Sorry, I've been so 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 into Proverbs. So into Proverbs. Revelation chapter twenty one and verse eight. But the fearful and unbelieving, abominable murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars will have their part in the lake of fire, uh, which bur- uh, the, the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. But Lyle isn't telling people That's that they got to be perfect, very clear. like just too much for their shoulders. Let me let me read you what else the Bible has to say on this subject, and this one comes from First uh, Corinthians chapter six. Uh, we'll start reading in verse nine, and 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 we'll think about this. If you took imperfect people into heaven, then you have now made sin immortal. That's not going to happen. You have to be perfect to go into heaven. The Bible says in First Corinthians chapter six, don't verse nine. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or who commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheap people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Is that clear enough? Very clear. Okay, that's crystal clear. So then the question is, if I need to be perfect to go into heaven, how do I become perfect? Because I don't know about you, Mon, but if I look at myself, I see a lot of imperfections. Oh, I'm doomed. No, we are not doomed. The Bible says some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. So how are we cleansed and made holy? Um, You were made right or justified with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. We are made perfect by Jesus Christ. And so here's the problem. Often when we talk about, you know, you need to be perfect to go to heaven, we instantly look at ourselves. And we say, well, I can never achieve that, therefore I'm never going to heaven. The solution to perfection is not ourselves. The solution to perfection is found in Jesus Christ and in his Holy Spirit. This whole whole passage here, you know, you say, um, 
I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You know, and it, and it continues on with this, with this whole theme working its way, you know, down through this passage. Jesus is the one we, who makes you perfect. It is in Jesus that you find perfection, in his cleansing blood. That's why the Bible talks about us being cleansed, being made holy with God by Jesus Christ. We need to place our faith in Jesus Christ. If we place our faith in Jesus Christ, as it says right here, then we have nothing to fear. Amen. We have a lot to fear if we place our faith in ourselves oh, yeah. because then we are aiming for something that we will never achieve. And Jesus' righteousness comes in two ways, righteousness that is uh, given to us and righteousness, which is power that is given to us to be able to overcome sins. And, you know, these two righteousness, two forms of righteousness combined together to make us righteous before God so that when we go into heaven, we go into heaven sinless, washed, made clean in the blood of the Lamb. If you want to have that experience today, then get on your knees, take your sins to Jesus. He will wash you and clean, cleanse you of all your sins. Just give it all to Him. He is the only solution to sin. He is the only solution to uh, being perfect. Thank you so much, Lyle. If you have a question, give us a call here. Uh, our number, of course, is 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843.
that was Malvinus with I want to want I want Jesus to walk with me. Amen. And of course, that's the only way that we will ever uh, receive any kind of righteousness is as Jesus walks with us. Amen. He's the one who does it all. We cannot do it ourselves. That is absolutely impossible. And anybody who's tried it knows just how impossible it is. It's time for our giveaway at the end of the show. And as hinted at earlier, we are giving away a copy of one of the best books ever about relationships, about marriage. Uh, it's called Love and Respect by Dr. Emerson Egerich. Uh, on the back it says this, We believe love best motivates a woman and respect most powerfully motivates a man. Research reveals that during marital conflict, a husband most often reacts unlovingly when feeling disrespected and a woman reacts disrespectfully when feeling unloved. Creates a bit of a cycle, right? there. It does. They asked thousands of people the question, when you are in a conflict with your spouse or significant other, do you feel unloved or disrespected? 83% of the men said they felt disrespected and 72% of the women said they felt unloved. Though we all need love and respect equally, the felt need differs during conflict and this difference is as different as pink as is from blue. This book will revolutionize your marriage, revolutionize your relationship. Call us now if you'd like a free copy, Love and Respect, Dr. Emerson Egeritz. Our number is 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843, and uh, we'll send a copy to you in the post. Okay, so first call through, 1-800-324-843. We'll get a copy of that particular book, so call fast. That one's going to go very, very quickly, I think. But don't forget that if you would like to know more about the Bible, we have a whole course on relationships. We can send you a whole course on relationships through the uh, Discovery Center. Just give us a call here and we will connect you with the Discovery Center where you can do that course. You even get a certificate at the end of it. And it was partly written by the very renowned Pastor Barnabas Shelley, amongst others. Mm. Um, You're listening to Faith FM. Stay tuned. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. i uh-huh. 